0: life circles we all live in circles you live in a circle i live in a circle it's a, it's not a bubble it's a circle in that that sometimes we live with our arms like this in these circles where we don't let anybody in we, we we're closed off to the world around us and we're we're we don't want them to see our dark side. We don't want to deal we don't even know how to deal with our own dark side, let alone let somebody else see our dark side. So we build up this the circle, it's a wall that actually we build up and we live in. Then there are those who live in a circle, but there's no boundaries at all. And everybody comes in and they take advantage of them and they, they're abused and, and neglected and different things like that and taken advantage of. And so that's one of those things that you need to read the book boundaries. You need to establish some good, healthy boundaries in the midst of, uh, of that. So these circles, though, that we, that we speak of are neither of those. Okay. We're talking about life giving circles. We're in a series called pursuit. Pursuit is something that we should be about. It's a life that gives life, okay? Not just a life and have a good quality life in ourselves, quantity life in ourselves, but a life that gives life. That's how we were designed. That's how God made us. That's what the whole reproductive system is a testimony of a spiritual rebirth that should happen in all of us, that we give birth to life, and that we in our own spiritual lives have been birthed, His spirit has been birthed into us that we might give life, birth, life into other people. Jesus talked about this in John uh, whenever he was talking about him being the resurrection and the life. He's the one who can conquer death, hell, and the great the one in John eleven twenty five that said, I am the resurrection and the life. And that yet th- though you might die yet, if you are in me and I am in you, then you will live. Life never ends. Okay. That life is the life that we want to see in other people. And that's what we're talking about in this series of messages. And I want to challenge you as we think today about these circles of life or life-giving circles that we live in, that we will think in terms of ourselves as followers of Jesus, people who know Jesus, Here's just a phrase to hang your hat on today. People who know Jesus go to those who don't know Jesus or who need to know Jesus. People who are far from God. People who aren't in a relationship with Jesus. That we who have Jesus ought to be compelled, ought to be convinced. I am, I've got so much better life with Jesus. How can I keep that to myself? Think about that for a moment. If we really believe what we're bought into... That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That Jesus is the resurrection from the dead. That Jesus is the one who gives life. If we really, 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 really really believe that, then why do we keep that to ourselves? I mean, that just does not make sense. Otherwise, we maybe don't believe it. Maybe we don't possess it. Oscar Thompson wrote a book a number of years ago. It's called Concentric Circles of Concern. And you might go back and write it. In fact, I think it's out of print or something like that. You might have to have a hard time finding it or get it in a digital form. But it is a great book on talking about circles, that we live in circles and that we have these circles of relationships and circles of influence. And so if we are people who know Jesus, then we need to be people who pursue people far from Jesus. So keep that in your thought process. We've been talking about it for well over a year now. It's one of those things that we challenge you week after week. Hey, live, sit, live, sit. What does that mean? Now, for different people, it means different things. But I want us to say it all out loud together. This is what we're saying when we say live, sit. Say it with me. Showing and sharing Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Showing, I mean, I'm going to demonstrate it with my life. That means I'm going to physically get involved in people's lives. I mean, I'm not going to sit on the periphery bubbles, living in bubbles. No, we're living in circles. The people that are in my circles, I'm going to breathe life into them. Okay. I'm going to show them Jesus. I'm going to share with them Jesus. I'm going to literally use my words at times. There will be times that I will need to point them to scripture, point them in words to Jesus in some capacity, uh, along those lines. And we're talking about everyday conversations. With everyday people. I said it tongue in cheek last week. Hey, well, listen, we're not talking about you getting black pants and a white button down, getting on a bicycle and go talking to strangers out there. Uh, We're not talking about that. We're talking about the everyday people in your life. And just how can I weave into the conversations of my life? And if I really, 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 really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then how can I not go and share him and show him off? to other people around me. Today we're going to be in John chapter one. We're reading through the Gospel of John largely in this series, not so much in a verse by verse, chapter by chapter, but we're kind of surveying through the Gospel of John and just kind of looking at episodes, situations and times. Now last week we looked at, uh, really kind of the prologue to the Gospel of John where we see the incarnation of Christ, where Jesus leaves heaven, comes to earth, steps into time and enters into our Existence, so that he can give life. There was a whole reason for him coming. Now, this week, we're going to pick up on the very first five days in the ministry of Jesus. All right. Now, I say that because literally, John is so very detailed in his writing. John's gospel is so detailed in his writing that literally, he'll go from one time he'll say next day, and the next day, and the next day, and he just goes on and on. So, you're getting the chronology of things. Now, bookend on this is you have the baptism of Jesus is kind of where it kind of kicks off. And John the Baptist baptizes him. And then at the end of the story is whenever in chapter 2 is whenever Jesus goes to Cana of Galilee and he marks his ministry, marking of miracles. And that's when he starts his ministry of miracles is at that point. But in the middle between the baptism and the Cana of Galilee and the turning the water into wine, there's a whole bunch that happens whole bunch that happens in people's lives because what Jesus does is he starts breathing life into other people's lives. And then they start taking the life that Jesus breathes into them and they breathe it into others. And then they take it and they breathe it into themselves. So I want you to see this multiplying effect that takes place when we allow God to do this work. Now, what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot of names. Some of you are going to recognize these names. Some of these are going to be new names for you. So I want to give a quick profile of them. One, John the Baptist. John the Baptist is not John the Apostle. Two different Johns in the Bible. John the Apostle wrote... Third, first, second, third John, wrote the gospel of John was an apostle, was the beloved disciple of John. That's who is the narrative of this story. John the Baptist was maybe a first or second cousin of Jesus, born about nine to uh, six to nine months before Jesus. His own birth was a miracle unto itself. We'll save it for another day. But he lives this monastic lifestyle and his whole purpose in life was to go out and to declare that, hey, Jesus is here. We've been waiting for him. We've been looking for him. He is here. He is on the scene, and we need to be ready to embrace him as Jesus. Now, the next four people that we're going to talk about will become the four disciples of Jesus. Now, one I'm not going to really talk about in a profile way. We know much about Peter, and we'll talk about him just briefly. But we're going to talk about some other people, one of those being Andrew. Andrew's name means manly okay so Andrew Brown wherever you are in the house make sure you're acting manly that's what your name uh, represents so manly is only nine times in the Bible is all you get of Andrew okay that's all all the all the mentions but the times that he is mentioned he's doing incredible works he's the very first disciple of Jesus he's the first disciple of Jesus but he will become the fourth man on the bench If you have a, think about a basketball team, you got five men on the, or five ladies on the, on the court and the sixth man. Well, Andrew's always the sixth man, literally the fourth man. It was Peter, James, and John that went to the Mount of Transfiguration. It was Peter, James, and John who went uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane and went further with Jesus and called to prayer with Jesus. But it was always Andrew who was the fourth man out. In every list of all the disciples of Jesus, it's always Andrew is number four. But that will play into, uh, uh, into his uh, modus operandum here in a few moments, so just hang on to that. But another character that we need to understand is Philip. Philip is not the Philip of Acts chapter uh, 6 the evangelist and the missionary and the deacon but he is always in every list of the apostles of the disciples he's number 5 guy okay he's he's going to be a player in the story and he's a fisherman but from Bethsaida and and Jesus will go there and encounter him and then Philip is then going to influence, be an influencer in Nathanael's life. Now, Nathanael is uh, also called Bartholomew. Two different, one person, two different names, okay? So understand the the difference. So, Nathanael was kind of his first name, and Bartholomew was his second name. It was his last name, what we might say, because you were called Simon the son of Bar Jonah, uh, or Simon was his name, but his dad was Jonah, Bar meaning son. In this case, Nathaniel was the son of Ptolemy. Bartholomew means son of Ptolemy. So you got Nathaniel, the son of Ptolemy. And so there's a lot of history there, but here's what I want you to see about all of them. Because most of them you don't see. You get two references and that's it of Nathaniel in the Bible. You get six references of, uh, of Andrew. So there's very few references to them, so we have to pull a lot together and kind of piece it together in what we can get from them. But here's what you can rest on all of that. All four of these people, Andrew, Simon Peter, Philip, Bartholomew, every single one of them came to faith in Christ within a matter of days. All of them within those first five days of Jesus' ministry. All four of them will have a global influence that they will impact the nations in a powerful, beautiful way. And all four of them started their influence locally. You're going to be your best missionary right at home. You're going to do your best work right here. You're going to do your best work in the circles of your own family. Yes, you can go to the nations, but if you're not doing it here, don't go there. Don't take what you're not doing here and go not do it there. If you're not doing it here, you're not going to do it there. If you're doing it here, you'll do it there. Get the point? And so all these guys were very influential in this. Because you heard me say back in June, I'll say it again today, is that the light that shines the furthest shines the brightest at home. And so if we're not shining bright here, we're not going to shine far out there. So here's something we did last week. I did it in the first gathering. If you were here in the second gathering, you missed it because I absolutely forgot to do it. Uh, so take out your phones. We're going to do a phone survey. I asked you a few weeks ago to take one of these cards, actually the past two weeks and to answer this question. Who do I know? How many relatives, how many friends, how many neighbors in my life can I identify that are far from God that I here, listen to this before you answer the question, will commit myself to praying for, for the next 12 months that they will come to faith in Christ. Now, last week when I was here, I only had four. God has, given me another person to put on mine, so I have five now. I want you to answer this question. I haven't even filled out the survey, so I'm going to do it myself right now. So I'm going to text the number 22333, um, and then I'm going to put in the message line, GPC NWA, and uh, you will get a reply back to enter into the survey. At that point, you put in your number. Do you know one person? Have you written down two, three, four, or five? How many have you, has God laid on your heart? So put that down and then send that in. And this is a live survey that we will keep track of. Now, here's what I'm not gonna wanna do. I don't wanna know the names. This is between you and God. I wanna know that you know that you're alive to give life to people. And that you, God has laid on your heart three, four, five people that, hey, I might be able to be a link in the chain of helping somebody who's far from God come to faith in God. Think about it like that. Now let's take that and just keep that on the front, front of your mind and let's go. Let's talk about these circles because we all live in the circles, but what are these circles about? Let's talk about these circles that, that, that God has put us in. Number one, there's a seeker circle out there. These are seekers in our life, people that are seeking answers. Seeking answers to life. And here's the story as it unfolds. We're going to be in chapter 1, verse 35 in a moment. But I want to tell you about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a all-out, sold-out-for-God kind of person. And he is... Standing out there in the wilderness, and up walks Jesus in a matter of a day, and he declares to everybody listening, all his disciples in front of him, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." Now, what a statement! He could have said, "Hey, listen, there comes Jesus. He was the kid that was born to a uh, to a teenage mother who had had never had relationships with another man. Here's the virgin born Jesus." He could have said all kinds of things, but what he did, what John the Baptist did was he declared from Scripture who Jesus was, okay? He declared from Scripture. Where do you get that? Because back in Genesis, I think it's chapter 22, when Abraham was about to offer his son Isaac on the altar, he said, the Lord will provide a lamb. And as we know, he didn't have to offer his son. And then you go fast forward all the way to the book of Ezekiel and you come to Ezekiel and you find Ezekiel saying this third, in verse, uh, chapter 46, verse 13. You shall provide a lamb, a year old without blemish, for a burnt offering. Now, now, this may make no sense at all, but hang with me on this. Daily, morning by morning, you shall provide it. I think we all know the Old Testament, maybe well enough to know that there was a sacrificial system. They had to make sacrifices. And here it is. Every day, day after day, 365 days a year, for as long as you were living, you were having to make a sacrifice for the sins that you had committed. It was a lamb. It had to be a spotless lamb. It had to be a perfect lamb. So what does John the Baptist do when he sees Jesus coming? He says, listen, listen, he points to him in John chapter 1, verse 29, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Listen, there will not have to be another sacrifice. There will not have to be another lamb given. There will not have to because there, is, there is, he is. He is Jesus, and he is the Lamb of God. What John does in that moment, don't skip over it, and what he will do a few verses later is he will reiterate it. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God is this. He was declaring who Jesus was to us seekers because who was with with John? Who, Who was with John the Baptist? Now let's go now to the passage, verse 35. And the next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, not Jesus' disciples, John's disciples. They were learning from John the Baptist. And he, who's he, John the Baptist, he looked at Jesus and he walked by and he said, behold, the Lamb of God. He said it on the day of his baptism. He says it the day after his baptism. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, What are you seeking? I love this encounter. I love this encounter because it's, it's this beautiful declaration that John was not bashful, he was not hesitant, he was not shy, he was not backward, he was not, I don't know, but maybe he is, maybe he's not. No, he said, this is the one we've been waiting for. He couldn't make it any clearer. And that sprung in something inside of Andrew's young heart that said, yes, this is the man, I need to follow him. And he gets right lockstep in with Jesus. Now, what John does on that day is he basically opens the Old Testament and he said, let me show you from Scripture who Jesus is. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a church where we learned the Romans road. Have you all ever heard of the Romans road? All right, some of y'all have. Uh, uh, I, I Four spiritual laws. Little booklet, open it up, show somebody how to, how, how to follow Jesus. You've got every kind of method out there. You've got four spiritual laws. You've got EE. You've got CWT. You've got faith program. You've got three circles is the hot one that's out now. There's all kinds of ways you can declare who Jesus is. John did the Old Testament. John the Baptist did the Old Testament thing. But here's the key thing to zero in on. It sunk deep into Andrew's heart. Enough that he was going to leave John the Baptist and he was going to start following Jesus. Somebody else we don't even know who he is named. He's not named. Two disciples start following Jesus, and Jesus turns around to them and he says, "What are you seeking?" And you know what? Everyone in this room today, we're all seeking something. We're seeking more comfort. We're seeking a happy marriage because we're just really, frankly, we're just not happy. We're seeking a better job. We're seeking more things. We're seeking, we're seeking, we're seeking, we're seeking. And a lot of that we're seeking is because we're missing something. There's a peace missing in us. So we insert, 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 and we never quite figure out how to fill that void. And so Jesus turns to every one of us today and he says, what are you seeking? And on that day, in that moment, It went from a conversation of John telling Andrew, this is the Lamb of God, to it came to a conversation between Jesus and Andrew. And as you're hearing my voice today, consider me the John the Baptist in the room at the moment. But really what I want you to hear is I want you to hear from Jesus. He's asking you, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? Because we're all seeking something. We're all after something. We're all moving towards something. And we need to get to moving toward Jesus. He made it very clear in Jeremiah. I know this is the Old Testament, but God made it very clear about seeking him. He said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore. That part that's missing, that part that's not there, that part that needs restoration, redemption, fixing... Missing, Jesus wants to fill it. But you're going to have to seek him with all your heart. And I can tell you what, there's people in this room, there's people in my life that have have been people in my life, and here's the reality is that people who know Jesus go to people who need to know Jesus. And that's exactly what John the Baptist did in the life of Andrew on that day in this other unnamed disciple. I, I can remember back in that city before I lived here, uh, I was friends with the police chief of, of that town. It's always a good to be on the friends of the police. Uh, so anyway, I was friends with the police chief, and um, we were about the same age. He was starting his family. We were starting my fan. I was starting my family. And we just kind of hung out a little bit together, and we started hanging out more and more together. And he started kind of coming around the church a little bit, and I... Started going around his life a little bit more and finally one day he invited me into his house and we were just sitting there and we were talking, having dinner and talking and it kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And uh, his name is Mike. So it's Mike and Mike, not ESPN Mike, but, uh, but Mike and Mike. And here we are, we're talking and his wife leaves the table and it's just he and I and we're talking and talking. And I realized in that moment, I'm in that, in that everyday conversations with everyday people Showing and sharing Jesus in everyday conversations. I'm in that moment. I'm in that moment. You know when you're in that moment and it's like, uh, what do I say? And so then I'm a pastor of a church. I should know what to say, right? I shouldn't be scared, right? Not the case. I'm still to this day get sweaty palms. I still to this day do what I exactly did on that day is I messed up everything. Everything I thought I was supposed to say. I got the order out of order. I got I, I got the verses out of the wrong text and I got I misquoted the verses and it was like, okay, and I'm sweating. I'm literally sweating. I can still remember this. This was years and years ago. I can still remember this. And Mike said at the end, he said, I want to follow Jesus. I said, how in the world could you follow? I'm thinking to myself, how in the world can you follow Jesus after that horrible presentation of the gospel? And it was like, as if God told me in that moment, I hit straight licks with crooked sticks all the time. And you know what? You may not get it right, but still... People who know Jesus go to people who don't know Jesus. And they show and they share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. And you know what happened on Andrew on that day? Um, Verse 40. One of the two. Again, we still don't know who the other, other one is. We have some speculations. Maybe it's John because John always wrote in the third person. Even back in chapter 20 when we were there a few weeks ago, he was writing in the third person. Some think it's Philip. And we'll talk about Philip in a moment. One heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. At that point, it was like Andrew said, I'm all in Jesus. I am in. And so, and that circle of seeking, we have all kinds of people in our life. And you got to know that there are people in your life and maybe you have them right here and they're seeking. They don't have answers. They're seeking. They may be asking the questions that you're, that you're needing them to ask, but they're seeking. Do you know them? Can you identify them? Number two circle is the family circle. Don't miss the family. The light that shines the furthest shines the brightest at home. Think about your family. Think about those that are closest to you. What Andrew does on this moment in this time is beautiful. Look at verse 40. We saw Andrew becomes a believer in verse 40. What happens in verse 42? Andrew has not even been a believer. He's not even baptized. He's nothing, nothing I mean, he hasn't been a believer for, for 24 hours. But what Andrew does next is a beautiful thing. He immediately leaves Jesus' presence and he goes and he finds his brother and he said to him, We have found the Messiah. Now, did he go into the... Oh, listen, let me take you through the Old Testament. Back whenever Abraham was offering Isaac and, and he's the Lamb of God. And back in Isaiah when he said, All we like sheep have gone astray and everyone has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And let me tell you about Ezekiel when he talked about the sacrificial system or Leviticus when he talked about... He, he didn't go through that. He just went... He shared his personal God story. You know what his God story was? We have found the Messiah. We found him. We now know who he is. We now can go to him. We can we can now connect with him. And listen, when you're out and you have the life of Jesus inside of you, you may not have all the Bible verses and you may not have all the answers, but if you have Jesus, you have all that you need. And every time we have a West Point around here, we're gonna have one in a few weeks. Every time we have a West Point around here, one of the things that we walk out of that with is everyone is able to share their God's story. Is able to share with them, hey, I have found the Messiah. I can tell you what what I've experienced. And that's exactly what uh, Andrew does in all of his imperfections and all of his incomplete theology training. He didn't ask for permission. He just went. And notice this, verse 41. The first, he first, he first, and that's a prioritization. He first found his own brother. He first found his own brother. Who in your life, maybe you're married to this person, Maybe they're your children. Maybe they're your nieces and nephews. Maybe it's an aunt or an uncle that you don't know that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But you have a relationship with Jesus. People who have a relationship with Jesus go to people who do not have a relationship with Jesus, and they share. And you know what, we don't know a lot about this, but it's a beautiful thing here whenever you look at scripture and you see that this is this is the modus operandum of believers. When you go to Acts 16 and you read how Lydia, a woman, becomes a follower and it says in Acts chapter 16 that and her household were baptized. I love it when Cornelius becomes a believer and his household becomes a believer. I love it that when Andrew becomes a believer and he goes to his brother and wins Simon, who will become one of the greatest evangelists and will write part of the New Testament and will be Peter, the rock. And we know Peter as the rock. And we know, we know John and James as the sons of thunder. But who is Andrew? Andrew is the one who brings people to Jesus. Whenever you look at the scriptures and you find again and again in the life of Andrew, what is Andrew doing? Every single time you find him, he is bringing people to Jesus. When you go, he's only mentioned a few times, but in John chapter 6, verse 8 and 9, he's bringing the, the boy with five loaves and two fish. And what's he doing? He's bringing him to Jesus. What do you find later on in, in John chapter 12, verse 20 and 22? He's bringing Greek people to Jesus. Every time you find Andrew in Scripture, he's bringing people to Jesus. In fact, church history goes on to say that he was one of the first missionaries to take the gospel into modern-day Russia, up by the Caspian Sea, into Kazakhstan as we know it today, and then settling before he settled and finally spent his life as a missionary in what we would call Serbia and Croatia today. This is a man who lived as a missionary, and all he knew was Jesus. But he went and he shared, starting with his family and beyond. You're going to get to, well, you missed the first gathering. In the first gathering, there's a beautiful story that we kind of un- unfolded There is David and Leah, new married couple in our church. But Leah has gone through a transition in her life back several months ago, maybe over a year ago, in fact, well over a year ago. Whenever she was going through a crisis moment, And on the job, who's with her on the job but Daniel Franklin? Daniel and Leada have been a part of our church for a lot of years, but they're in the supplier community and they're, they're they're working together and all Daniel's doing is showing and sharing Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. And in that moment of Leah's crisis moment, she says, well, maybe I do need to try the church out. So what does she do? She comes to Grace Point Church and for the next several years, she's going through a healing process that she goes through. Well, in that time, she remarries and she remarries And both of them have yet to receive Christ. But a few months back, they were in my office doing some counseling time together with me. And they've given me permission to share this with you today. And it was a beautiful thing what happened. In my office, it wasn't about their marriage became the focus. It was about their relationship with Jesus. And both of them realized that they needed Jesus in their life. So in my office, both of them on that day received Christ into their heart. But the story doesn't end there. They then go home and tell their children. And two of their children received Christ. And all four of them were baptized in the first gathering. Here's what I want you to see. Isn't that beautiful? You've got him. John the Baptist declared who Jesus was. Andrew heard it. He didn't have all the scriptural knowledge to go and to share. So what he did is he shared his God story we have found the Messiah with his brother, and we know what happens to his brother. His brother becomes a believer as well. and becomes one of the greatest missionaries ever in Peter. People who know Jesus go to people who need to know Jesus. Number three, circles. Think about your circles. Then there's the friendship circles. Let me say this. There's a number of people who are going to be baptized today, 22 people overall throughout the day. And so I'm going to ask them right now so they can be getting ready. If they'll go on out through that side door there and they will, uh, we'll be ready to receive you. And just a moment, we're going to, uh, witness your stories, but everyone else listen very carefully, because this may be where most of you are. If I look at most of the names that are on my card, Seventy-five percent of these are not family members. These are friends in my life. There is one family member on here. Uh, Out of all of them, we need to notice what the story goes on. Jesus wakes up the next day, it says in verse 43. And Jesus decided to go to Galilee. So we're in day three right now. He found Philip. Now, this is why some people think it was Philip that was maybe the unnamed disciple, is that maybe Philip needed 48 hours to think it through. Maybe he wasn't quite ready on the day that Andrew gave himself to Christ. So it could have been Philip, or it could have been a a, a sovereign encounter of God with Philip. Who knows? But notice this. Don't miss this. Who found Philip? He found Philip. Jesus found Philip. And the invitation was simple. Follow me. That's what it means. To be a Christian isn't to bear a name, isn't to have a certificate, isn't to fill out a survey form. It is to literally, with your life, follow Jesus. And that's what he invited Philip to do on that day. Beautiful thing happens. He found Philip. But don't miss this because in verse 45, Philip changes the story. Philip goes to Nathanael. We know who Nathanael is. That's Nathanael Bartholomew, son of Ptolemy. He said this to Nathanael. He said, we have found him. So who found who? Did Jesus find Philip or did Philip find Jesus? The answer is yes. And this is what the beauty of a spiritual rebirth. You don't come to Jesus when you find Jesus. Jesus calls you first. Jesus woos you. Jesus touches you. You could be sitting there right where you're at right now and Jesus is finding you. Oh, he's going down the aisles and his spirit is moving and he is finding some. Now, whether or not you will say yes to him or not, whether or not you will be a Philip and say yes or not, that's going to be a conversation between you and God. But the beauty is, is I love the transformation is that by the time he got to Nathaniel, he was at Nathaniel, this Jesus, we found him. And Nathaniel goes in all his prejudice, bigotry. He says, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of it. There's no way. And Nathaniel ends up becoming a follower of Jesus in a beautiful, powerful, transformative way. The people who know Jesus go to people who do not know Jesus. Leonard Sweet is a prophet to the church of our day, and he said it like this. He said, We really who is who is really lost? Is it them, people far from God, or is it us? Think about it. Consider the analogy to male. When a letter is sent and it never arrives at its intended destination, we say to it, the letter, the message is lost. Similarly, Christians have been sent into the world as the Father has sent me, according to Jesus, as a kind of love letter from God to all. Yet few of us have actually arrived with our message. Perhaps we would be wiser to refer to ourselves as the lost. If we live our life and we never help one person come to know Jesus, who's lost, them or us? Listen, we've been given life to give life. We've been shown the way To show others the way. It's a challenge. It will not be easy. You might only have your God story, but share your God story. You might be able to show from the scriptures as John the Baptist was, this is the lamb of God who's taken away the sins of the world. But by all means, go and share. I heard a poem, and I'll close with this, a poem that was um, probably I was a teenager. I went to the youth speaker afterwards. I said, you've got to give me that poll. And I made a copy of it and I've saved it to this day. And every now and then I pull it back out and I just reread it. And I just want you to hear it. It's not going to be on the screen. I just want you to listen to it. It's one friend talking to another friend. One unbeliever talking to a believer. On earth, I walked with you day by day and never did you point the way. You knew the Lord in truth and glory, but never did you tell the story. My knowledge then was very dim. You could have led me safe to him. Though we lived together on earth, you never told me of the second birth. Now I stand this day condemned because you failed to mention him. You taught me many things. It's true I called you friend and trusted you. But I learned now that it is too late. You could have kept me from this fate. We walked by day and talked by night, and you showed me not the light. You let me live and love and die, and knew I'd never live on high. Yes, I called you friend in life, and trusted you through joy and strife, and yet on coming to this end, I cannot now call you my friend. We have been called to call others. We have been given life to give life. We have been found to find others. And you see it in this beautiful example of John leading Andrew, Andrew leading Simon, Jesus leading Philip, Philip leading Bartholomew or Nathaniel. And you see the ongoing work of of where we are today because somebody shared with somebody, shared with somebody. And you know where it all began? And this is where we're going to end today. It began at Jesus' baptism. The first day of those five days was when Jesus was baptized. And on that day is when Jesus, or John pointed and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So these who are going to be baptized today, this is not just a declaration of their faith. This is a declaration that even though they may be a child, they're called to live sent. Let's pray together. Father, we recognize you as Savior and Lord of all, and you found us. You pursued us to give us life so that we could turn around and pursue others to give them life. Lord, don't let us fall short of that. Lord, I pray for these young ones. I pray for these adults who are declaring and have declared. I pray for the Donahue family as an example of multiple generations coming to faith and declaring it all on the same day. And God, I pray for the people in this room that you are finding this very moment calling them to be your disciples. Dear God, do a work in them. I pray this in Jesus' name.